Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome to another special episode of Fan Team Radio. I am your host, Shyam Khan, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Odiodorizzi. And today we are joined again by our special guest, Nadim Abha, for a second week in a row. We're going to be breaking down the 2023 Mexican Grand Prix. We're going to be talking about Perez, uh, his position for D2 or not to be D2, and what are the implications for Daniel Ricardo for next year. Uh, we're going to be talking about Aston Martin's double DNF and the indications that uh, they're going to have the same problems going into next year and how do they write course of ship. And we're wrapping up with Lando Norris's impressive surge to P5 and Ferrari's lack of pace after a front row qualification. Kristen and Dean, what's up, guys? How's it going? You know, I was listening to uh, P1 earlier today and they made a good point that like kind of took me for a loop. And then it was, they were like, was the was this Grand Prix a good one? Because the bar is kind of low. We've had a couple of kind of dud races and, you know, I thought, I thought it was kind of interesting. We got a lot of overtakes, all this stuff, but like, was it actually a good race or was it just a good race this season? I'm quite unsure, but uh, the chaos all started with qualifying. I believe uh, there was some craziness in qualifying. And even, I think you had a couple of uh, uh, thoughts on qualifying. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, you guys, for having me back again. Really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, qualifying. Uh, always a shit show with the FIA. Can't <laughs> figure out if they want to penalize someone or not. But I think there was some impeding going on, and they were trying to figure out, was it a, were, they, were the car still rolling? They stopped past the white line. I, I think at the end, no one got any uh, implications out of that. So who knows? Maybe they're still deciding we'll find out next week (laughs) i think it's just one of those things that again we talked about this ad nauseum last week but if i just need to like figure out what their rules are and just stick to them and uh you know if we have an 11 team on track it might make things way even more complicated but uh yeah what a crazy what a crazy start to the weekend yeah i mean the qualifications uh the only person that really seemed to get hurt is our best friend logan Sargent. (laughs) <laughs> which uh, we'll talk about a little bit more later this uh, this uh, episode. But let's start off, guys. So, um, so of course, you know, no way to come, you know, go around this. But Checo Perez had an incredibly disappointing week, uh, especially since that it was his home race. Uh, overcommits uh, right off the bat to try to win the race outright from the start, and almost takes out Leclerc in the process of doing it. Uh, Christian Horner is on record for saying, you know, he was very emotional, as you can imagine, but he is a racing driver. He had to go for it. Can't place the blame on any of the drivers. Three into one is always going to be a tough one into one corner. And he had a rocket ship to start, probably his best start of the year. And he was going for it in front of his home crowd. Of course, the tough for him, but he is our driver and we want to achieve and we want to help him achieve what we know he's capable of. And we will continue to support and protect him. You know, a uh, very nice thing for Christian Horner to say, especially seeing that his D2 driver is struggling. But as we know, Christian Horner and uh, the organization that is Red Bull leadership, uh, nothing is at face value <laughs> and everything is up for um, up for a second look. So what do you guys think of this? What do you think of Checo's overall potential uh, for, for Red Bull racing? Uh, obviously, the, the lead between him and Hamilton has been cut to about 20 points with Brazil coming up. And we know that Hamilton performs very strongly at Brazil uh, historically. Uh, I'd love to get y'all's thoughts on, on what this means for Perez, what this means for Danny Rick, what this means for Yuki Tsunoda. Just to start with you. Yeah, I'll just touch on uh, I'll touch on check a little bit. So you know that feeling after you like when you're a kid and you like 
go to a Rocky movie and you come home and you just start like shadow boxing and you think you're like the best boxer in the world just because you got done watching a movie or something. That's what I felt like that moment from Checo was on lap one, turn one. I felt like he as a professional professional F1 racing driver envisioned him himself as the best professional F1 racing driver that's ever lived. And he's just like, I'm going to send it here and it's all going to work out. I'm going to be like, I think he saw himself standing on the podium. I think he saw him winning the championship and all in that moment and just forgot that there was other people on the track and he wasn't in the sim or whatever. Cause he just completely turned in to Charles like he wasn't there. And I don't know whether that's a, a symptom of, you know, the cars are more difficult. Other, other people seem to be able to handle it, but yeah, I totally thought that Checo just completely forgot. I think he's, he thought he wanted to impress his Mexican fans and, and just hope it all worked out for the best. Uh, either that, or maybe he just wanted to like try something crazy. And if it didn't work out, then he wouldn't embarrass himself for the rest of the race going backwards for the rest of it in front of, uh, <laughs> in front of his Mexican fans. So, uh, yeah, just he's he's having tons of problems. His uh, mentality is not there. He, I think he has kind of lost a little bit of his. I don't know what to call it, his edge or or whatnot. And uh, I think his time is obviously coming to a close. Um, he at the moment is still slated to be the driver next year, but I think at best that's his last year, even no matter what his dad says. I don't. Did you see his dad said that? He's going to be driving with Max as teammates for the next decade, which I thought was hilarious. But, yeah, I, mean, I love his dad, uh, but yeah, you know. no. And, and, and to your point about Horner being overly nice, everyone was being overly nice to Checo this weekend. I don't. Did you see that moment with uh, Carlos Sainz? I think it might have been in qualifying where he like accidentally impeded him because he was having issues with the car and he's like checko 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 i'm so sorry it was like over team radio and it was like <laughs> everyone's like please don't kill me checko's fans so i mean everyone's so nice to him that they had to get max uh bodyguards yeah 100 uh, percent so, uh i mean yeah it is the land of checko um Nadine, what are your <laughs> thoughts on on checko's race yeah i mean um let's see with the checko for sure i felt like the the pressure is on him big time and he went for that leap. And I think at the end of it, when they're in the cool down room, Hamilton was like, Oh, you pulled a guitar just like I did, <laughs> which is, which is exactly what that. happened. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, he's feeling the pressure and he's definitely trying to cover up in the points to make sure he gets second. Cause I think that's the expectation Red Bull has of him. And uh, rightfully so they have a monster of a car. It's probably going to go down as one of the best cars ever. And uh, it's just racking up wins and single-handedly right now by Max Verstappen. So Checo is feeling it. And I think that's just, that was him going for it and seeing what's going to come out. You know, um, I don't know if you guys thought about comps to the kind of pressure that Checo has been feeling in other sports. Uh, But when I thought about the catalog of what are the most high pressured situations that athletes can be in? It was really hard other than, you know, maybe like professional pitchers to think about it. But what my mind really did go to is D1 college coaches, especially in programs that have incredible basketball and football teams. I'll use Texas as a, as an example here, given that it's mine, Nadim's alma mater and that the entire free world knows about the university of Texas go horns. But, you know, that's an incredibly tough coaching gig to be in. And it's incredibly tough because of the resources that 
the University of Texas has and the historics uh, behind a successful program that's been kind of in the dumps for the last couple of years and not up to standards. We've cycled through so many coaches, really good coaches, uh, seemingly, but, you know, it's a tough gig to be in. And it's not the only one in college sports. It's similar to Checo in the fact that he has all the resources and a dynasty behind him of success. And he's essentially in a position where he has to produce or, you know, it's it's, it's incredibly replaceable uh, uh, in terms of uh, who, who else could fit that spot. You need immediate success. And that's what they anticipate. So that's kind of where my mind goes when it when I think about what are some of the comps in, in American sports that also has this level of scrutiny and a single unilateral kind of uh, person to blame it all on. It's typically the head coach uh, for, for a lot of these uh, uh, team sports, individual sports, man, I can't think of a single golfer uh, or, or, you know, like, like, like a single person athlete that has had this kind of scrutiny on them. Uh, it's usually dispersed across several different people in, in any sport. So it, it is interesting to, I, I, you know, I can kind of appreciate Checo's position through the lens of uh, someone like a, you know, a Tom Herman who recently got fired by Texas or, or Charlie Strong, right? So I, I definitely think it's a, it's a place that no driver wants to be in. I almost feel like it's probably less stressful to be in a in a Haas or or Williams and crash their car a couple of times and then you know get the boot, uh, as opposed to being in such a, a coveted seat that has all the resources available to the driver to have success and uh, uh you know uh, uh, a driver pairing where your partner is essentially beating you by by probably 50% of your points. So it's it's a really it's a really tough situation to be in. I'm curious to hear what you guys think Danny's uh key four performance this week is is you know what kind of implications does that have for next year? Do you think that they're gonna slip in Danny Ricardo and just pay out Checo for the rest of his contract? Do you think that Checo has a fighting shot at keeping his drive through all of next year? Do you not think that there's enough here yet for us to really feel convicted about Danny's performances. Nadim, I'll start with you. What do you think about Danny's performance? Do you think it was a fluke? Do you think that there's enough here to make a prediction for next year? What do you think? I don't think it's a fluke. I think Danny taking the time off coming back has got a new refreshed version of how he wants to approach his, I guess, second stint in his F1 career. And I think he has a high chance of taking that seat from Checo. And if he continues to produce the way he's doing for Alfatori, which is their sister company, essentially, I think he'll find a way in that seat. And I think Checo, Checo is, is pretty much, Max is dragging Checo along and, or Checo is dragging Max down one or the other. And so I think that's, that's adding a lot of weight and pressure. And Ricardo is coming with like a very happy, fun, go lucky, but that's his personality anyways. And I think that would help a lot in that seat to bring Red Bull to where they want to go. Because they definitely want that number two spot for sure. I think it's it's a must-have for um, Christian Horner, and if if that doesn't happen, I think that's it. Checo's out, and Ricardo's going to be in. Because I feel like Ricardo is probably the only other driver out right now that I would think would be fitted for that position. Chris, what say you? Yeah, I want to roll it back uh, to your to your comparison about you know, just the pressure that Checo is under and we'll get to Danny in, in one sec, but uh, I want to just expand it a little to say that it's like F1 is 
probably the most unique case of this that you talked about. It's like hard to find comparisons, but probably one takes it a step further in that, you know, when you're, you're being directly compared to your teammate, but it's impossible to be compared to anybody else because the cars are so unique. And so we can't definitively say what another driver would do in Checo's seat. Now we know Max is outperforming Checo in this car, but you know, just because someone does well in one car doesn't mean they're going to do well in the Red Bull. So just because they, every car drives so very different when I mean, we saw Danny Rick, you know, performing really well and then changed teams and just started, you know, going nowhere, going backwards on track. And so it, it's got to be so much pressure to be like up against uh, Max, but then you're just like wondering, you know, what, who else could sit in that seat and, and do better? Is it Max? Is it the car? What is it? So it, it's got to be immense pressure on Checo, and I feel for him, uh, especially when your teammate just never makes mistakes. But he's the once in the generational talent, and it's like it's unfortunate for a lot of drivers because there's probably a lot of WDC-capable drivers on the track right now who will maybe never win a race because Max is on the track. Uh, I forget... I forget actually who the names are, but there was a there was a track runner who destroyed the Olympic uh, the Olympic gold medal record, the world record. He destroyed it, but second place also destroyed the world record. And I th- I think it was Carl Lewis who won first, and nobody knows who the second place was, even though that they they destroyed the world record in that same race at the same time. But it's like one of those things that nobody knows who he is. But back back to Danny. I think it's going to take a few more races of him performing at this caliber to like determine whether or not he actually belongs in that seat because you know we've seen moments of brilliance from him we saw him win Monza and then go nowhere after that so I think we need to see consistent performance of him I think one of his greatest weaknesses is inconsistency um but then again so is Checo so we'll just see what happens but uh I'm a big fan of putting someone else in that seat, but if if it's Danny, I hope he does well. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm in agreement with you, Chris. I think the sample size is too small to to make that call. Although it is promising, I think we've seen sample sizes being too small, and then teams acting on it, and then it backfiring on Nick them. Debris. And, yeah, <laughs> in a couple of different situations. Well, yeah, uh, I think. So- I, so my thing is like, if not Ricardo, who else then? Like, who else would it be? Sure. I mean, you know, you have a Liam Lawson. Uh, I don't think Yuki is mature enough yet to take on that D2 seat. But then, you know, I've been kind of ringing the bells of where does uh, someone like a Alex Albon go, uh, you know, next year or, or the year after, you know, where does. Um, and, you know, that point that you made last episode, Nadim, about Fernando Alonso, going in as a D2 driver uh, at Red Bull, I, I, I think that would be a really powerful uh, combination, especially kind of, uh, and, I'll, and I'll talk a little bit more about Fernando in, in this next segment, but, you know, as Fernando is kind of sunsetting his career, being that complacent D2 driver might be up his alley, you know, uh, and if they just need him for like a year or so while they, let Liam kind of mature a bit in the AlphaTauri car, 
then I think there is a way to have an Albon or a Fernando Alonso or someone that's a little bit more venerable fit into that slot into that seat. The only thing is, are they going to be okay with, you know, being a, a, a D2 to, to Max, who's pretty much going to outright win in that team, no matter, you know, the chances of another driver coming in and winning is really low. I think someone like a Fernando is situated well for that to perform well in that car, but still stay, you know, steady behind uh, Max. I think someone like Alex Albon's already been there, kind of done that, has left a sour taste in his mouth in terms of how Red Bull operates. And I think he would be want, wanting to go somewhere where he could be the D1 and really fight for uh, fight for champion himself. Uh, so I think there's a couple of options, if not Danny Ricardo. I think I've said before that I, I, I don't foresee Danny Ricardo being the proper D2 driver for Red Bull. Uh, but I do want him to prove me wrong. And I think this is this week was a decent indicator of of him starting to prove me wrong, which I would love to have happen. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think we need to see a little bit more in terms of uh, consistent pace from Danny Ricardo uh, to to make that argument for him to go to Red Bull next year, but also to to make sure that he's not only just comfortable with the Alpha Tori car, but that he's comfortable with the Red Bull car, <clears throat> which might be, you know, a little bit more oversteery, something that Max is much more equipped to drive. So th I think there is, you know, it's a bit nebulous still at this point. I think it's too, too early to call, but you know, if you were to ask certain people, they might say that the writing's on the wall, that Checo's time is about to be up at Red Bull uh, and that Danny Ricardo is going to slip in pretty seamlessly going into next year, which wouldn't surprise me at all. So I think I'm somewhere in between, Nadim and, and Chris on this one in terms of what's going to happen next year. But I guess that's just a, the, that's probably the clearest depiction of, of their situation right now is no one knows, but there are certain ways that this conversation is leaning just based on how these races are transpiring for Checo, how these race races are transpiring for Lewis as well. So I think we beat that, uh, that, that horse uh, with the hammer pretty well. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Aston Martin. So guys, uh, another disappointing week for Aston Martin. Uh, they failed to to finish the race. Either of the drivers both DNFing. Um, they just have been on a downwards turn the last couple of races. Uh, you know, Stroll was 17th and then made contact with Botas, which ended up, uh, you know, taking him out of the race. Uh, and then uh, Alonso uh, just wasn't able to recover after picking up some damage on uh, uh, debris that was laid out on the track. Very tough situation for Aston Martin to be in, especially considering that they were just, play, you know, Alonso especially was just placing pole you know, uh, podiums after podiums in the beginning of the year. What does Mike Crack and and team do from here here on out? Do you guys see this lingering into twenty twenty four? Or do you think there's a way to right shift the course? Uh, Nadim, let's start with you on this one. Um, I think you touched on this in the last episode. I don't think they understand their car. I don't think they understand their strategy. I think, and I don't think they have two complete drivers. I think they have one complete driver. Um, and I think those three combinations is just a recipe for the disaster that they're going through right now. And to write that would would need some sort of um, organization to clearly define what the goals are and start meeting those goals instead of just throwing a, you know a hundred darts and hoping you hit the bullseye. I, I I don't know if they 
have sat down and talked this through, but it, it doesn't seem like it. And that's the concern because it's, you can bring as many upgrades as you want. You first have to make it to the end of the race to know where you stand. And that's been a struggle for them. So it's hard to even know what's working, what's not working if you can't make it to the end. And it's unfortunate with Alonso because, um, yeah, he did pick up debris. And so he was out for that reason. Um, I think Stroll, I'm not sure if this uh, the, the collision he had was his mistake or not. I don't recall. But I know he has made a few blunders in terms of um, passing cars and, and being diligent about it and making sure that he makes it to the next turn. I think that's, that's adding to the uh, chaos that already ensues with uh, Aston Martin collectively. So, yeah. Yep. I think, um, I think the start of this year is the closest that Aston Martin is going to get to having a championship contending car. Um, and bold, bold predictions, Chris. Yeah. I uh, honestly, I'm going to make, I'm going to make another bold prediction, even bolder. I think Fernando Alonso retires at the end of this year. I think he announces it in two races or three. So I think, I think Aston Martin is going to be known as the championship killer, the the retirement sender. So you get Vettel, he goes, Alonzo, he goes. I think what happens is is that I think at the start of this year, Alonzo felt the fire. And then as they've sort of peeled back off, I think he's kind of realized that he's never going to actually taste victory again. And I think once you realize that as a, someone who – has the kind of fire in him that I think you just kind of let it go. So, yeah, I think I, I totally agree with you, Nadim. I think they have one driver, and I think they don't get enough data in practice. They don't get enough data in the races because they're either not finishing or they don't have a capable driver who is giving them enough positive feedback or, or just uh, useful feedback in the races. So, I just think they've had a lot of issues. Number one, not understanding their car. And then number two, just not being able to adapt and upgrade their car based on either lack of knowledge or lack of feedback. And I think they just, they have a huge mess uh, upon their hands. And if everybody, like the next year's regulations aren't changing that much. So I totally think that uh, they're going to be just continuing going backwards in the field. So I think they have a big problem on their hands, whether Alonso retires or not. But um, yeah, just without replacing Lance and without a big change um, in their engineering department or whatever it's going to take, I think they're they have a lot of problems on their hands. Yeah, just like I said. Yeah, when uh, when asked by F1 News about the frustrations uh, beginning to build, you know, Alonso's on on record to to say it's not frustrations yet this year has been an incredible season for us so even if we dnf the remaining races 2023 is still a good season but hopefully we can revert the situation and we can finish on a high i mean like i was saying earlier guys i think he's at a point now where he's not the 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 volcanic uh, fernando you know of the past and and i think his managing his expectations rather conservatively uh, going into the last couple of years of his career, or maybe the last year of his career altogether, uh, as as Chris kind of uh, is indicating. But, you know, something like this mentality 
I feel like would be great for a D2 position at Red Bull because what he's, what I'm reading here is that, or what I'm interpreting this as is, hey, I have pretty much won whatever I'm going to win for my career. And I thought we had a good thing going here. And, you know, I'm not going to sweat it too much. Um, it is what it is kind of situation, which would probably play very well into that D2 role at Red Bull where, you know, he still has the fight and the the fire to and, and the technical acumen to get that car in the places that it should it should be. Uh, but I think that he's also open to taking a second, like a back seat to, to someone like Max Verstappen, who he does respect quite a bit uh, in terms of just racing ability and, and really help, you know, Red Bull kind of usher the 2024-2025 where actually weather the 2024-2025 season while someone like Liam or, or even another driver uh, kind of makes their way. Uh, up the rankings and then 2026 we're going to have uh, a ridiculous silly season so there's a lot of movement that can happen um as a as a as fernando alonso you know kind of makes his next moves in f1 he's still an incredible uh incredibly powerful voice in any paddock uh i don't know if you guys would disagree with that but i think just the the sheer fact that he's so respected that he does you know he's decorated um, it does give him a little bit of ability to move around. I think he's probably wasting away a little bit at uh, Aston Martin. So my two thoughts, uh, my predictions here is either he retires, like Chris, you, you mentioned, he stays at Aston Martin and they give him uh, a, a better D2 driver. So he feels more you know, confident in going into next year and, and sticking with the team. Or someone contracts him out, you know, maybe he goes to a Ferrari again, or he goes to a Red Bull and, and there's a lot of shift that happens and he sticks through the silly season. So there's a couple of ways that this can play out, but, and, you know, it's just a sad way to see uh, a team that showed so much promise early in the year kind of just get downgraded. Um, and it's due to, you know, someone say nepotism and, and it's tough to, see someone like Mike Crack who has, who's had so much success and who I think is a very capable team leader uh, kind of just succumb to decisions that are made at a, at a level even above him. Uh, so it's, it, it is for me a tough sight to see, uh, you know, I'm a Mercedes fan through and through and I'm a Lewis Hamilton fan through and through. Uh, but I also like just seeing good racing and good race management. Um, and, and if what you're saying is true, Chris, uh, you know, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are probably going to go there at some point in the future and retire there. Uh, Absolutely. that's, you know, really the funnel that they're trying to set up for themselves <laughs> is the, is the, 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 the King retires, uh, then, you know, we'll know exactly where Max and Lewis are going to end up at the end of their, their careers. They're the Browns of the of F1. <laughs> they are the Browns of the F1. Uh, <laughs> cool guys well um any more thoughts on aston martin i i feel like this is just something we're gonna have to watch uh closely and, and see how it plays out as they uh you know all the bones are there right i think the foundation is there they put a lot of money into this team they put a lot of money into their uh, new facility so they have to do something with it it's just you know a matter of what can they what are the options available to them uh going into this off season no more thoughts lance it's a good yeah, I mean, my last thought on this is um, if they can get both their cars as a top 10 finish on the final race, then there's hope. But if they have to finish on some good note, some level of positivity so that there is 
you know, energy for the for the next season. I agree. Mint green is way too cool of a color to to waste. Um, all right, let's talk about Lando Norris. I mean, not not you know the the biggest uh, Norris fan, uh, but I got to give it up to him. You know, started the race all the way, I believe, in nineteenth, and worked his way steadily up. Uh, oh, actually, sorry, he started a seventeenth after you know errors and qualifying, but was able to fight his way back in the top ten, uh, and then fight his way into P five. Uh, and and it, it really was uh, incredible to watch him, especially that overtake that he did on George Russell uh, and then starting on softs, which was a pretty bold move uh, strategically since everyone else pretty much started on mediums and hards. Um, I'd love to get y'all's thoughts on this. I think that, you know, the, in the past couple of weeks, Piastri's uh, really dominant performances has kind of called into question what Lance's position is in the team. Uh, even though he is the D1 driver, it was kind of uh, hard to tell if that was going to be the course of action going into next year. Uh, but I think something, a race like this really solidifies the fact that, you know, experience does help. Experience means a lot. Experience can be the reason why you finished a race P5 and your teammate ends up finishing in like P7 or P8, I believe. So there's... Uh, I think this this race, if you were to really break down how Lando was able to kind of make his way through the crowd, I think it speaks volumes for how he's grown as a driver over the past three years. Um, I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on, first, what did this race say about Lando as a driver to you? And second, is Lando still the undisputed d1 at mclaren or do you think oscar is going to be able to overtake him in certain ways going into 2024 uh chris let's start with you yeah i mean actually i was just researching for two seconds again it it actually looks like he did start in 19th um which i i I heard 17th too so i'm not sure what the confusion is there but either way super impressive drive uh by lando he the way he was working up the field at the end there was uh, proof for me that Lando is still indeed that D1 driver. I mean, Oscar is obviously generational talent, and I think uh, he eventually will be a future WDC. But I think uh, Oscar actually did a lot to put a fire under Lando and get him to, you know, w- when Danny Rick was at McLaren, he didn't really have to compete too much to to be the teammate, and then Oscar comes in and starts competing against him. And I think Lando, you know, put a lot more effort and, you know, having someone to compete against um, someone to, to gauge your own performance against, I think is super important when you want to be a professional anything. And so I think Lando has shown that like, he's there, he's gonna, he has the capability of winning races. Um, he He's a, a top tier driver, or I guess, tier 1.5 because max is the only one in tier one so um yeah i totally just think that that lando has what it takes and i think we're going to see a lot more uh of lando continuing to make good pride of he's been on the podium a lot in the, in the second half of the season and i think we're going to continue to see more of that and yeah i think oscar and lando has potential to be that like hamilton rossberg teammate situation where they're going to keep going back and forth and competing against each other and eventually one of them is going to have to go 
to another team because they just won't be able to to both be the D1 at the same team. But yeah, uh, super impressive drive by Orlando. Uh, I think he'll be on one of the three steps for the rest of the season and then uh, maybe get his first win next year, hopefully. Yeah, I think you hit the, the nail on the head on that one. Um, I do believe that uh, – so he, he did have a very impressive drive. But I also think that he got saved by the red flag big time because from a tire strategy standpoint, he was the only one on a red, which was a huge gamble because he could have gone either or if that didn't work out. And the red flag really helped to reset the whole race, which then put him on those yellows to kind of take it on. Um, so – Part of it, I would think, is the initial because if I mean, I'm looking at the grid, I don't know if you guys got a chance to see that, but Norris was the only one that started on reds. They weren't going to last that long, those super softs, because they went with the C5s, right? So I don't know how that would have played out if we didn't have a red flag. And I'm curious to see where he would have ended up after the fact. Um, but yes, I do think Lando is going to be the D1. I think PS3 is a good D2. I think uh, you talking about uh, Hamilton and uh, Rosberg, I feel like that is going to play out because Piastri does have something to prove and he has shown that he's willing to bring it to Lando and it's going to make things fun. So all in all, good race, lucky break, red flag may have helped. Yeah, it's a good point yes. because, he, so, yeah, it's a good point. He, uh, he switched to hards on lap 11. He was the first one to switch over hard besides Yuki. And yeah, like going the whole rest of that race distance on the one tire from 11 to 71 would have been quite the feat. So even though hard could probably go that long, the performance probably would have fallen off a little too much. So yeah, I think, I think you have something there with the, with the red flag uh, saving him just a little bit. What do you think, Sharon? So last week, uh, Julian Palmer's uh, post-race breakdown of, the U.S. Grand Prix, he actually pointed out a really interesting spot in the race where Lando, where Verstappen was coming in hot behind Lando, uh, I think going into turn two, and Lando kind of just let him have the way. Um, He didn't, you know, fight at all with Verstappen. And I think there's a killer instinct that Verstappen, and Verstappen never looked back after that. You know, he stayed in P1 the entire time after that. There was no fight from Lando to, to, you know, even kind of you know shift max's car around him at all he just kind of got out the way so i think there is a killer instinct that needs to be kind of driven home a little bit more uh even though he didn't have like the the fighting like speed uh of the red bull like it just was kind of a indicator that there's still things that lando needs to develop to become like the killer uh like world championship caliber driver that lewis is that max is that fernando was that sebastian was you know like these guys had a killer be killed type of mentality and i know lance can probably find it in him i don't think he's uh he's far from it but it's you know when julian palmer pointed that out it really did kind of indicate to me like lance he's he's boys with you know Max Verstappen and with Carlos Sainz and there is a symbiotic relationship there but at what point is because Piastri doesn't have those relationships with with any driver he's just going to probably go out there and if he has a chance to 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 take the win he's going to do it 
And Lance was in a position where he could at least fought a bit harder to get that win in the U.S. Grand Prix uh, and just didn't and just kind of conceded that position to Max. So on one end, you know, I'd like to think that, yeah, he's, you know, this driver who's got like the edge to be able to to take it, take it on. But I feel like he really only takes that fight to people like George Russell or people that he knows that, you know, he can actually like win out against and 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 and, and great for him. But when it comes to fighting against someone who is like is a better driver, I just don't think he has it there with them, with them yet. Um, I know there's been some duels that he's had with Lewis in the past couple of races, but you know that's just I, I just don't think he's fully developed yet in terms of the killer instinct to be able to become a world competing champion. Uh, I think someone like Oscar probably has a better head on his shoulders in that respect. Um, so right now, I think they're still, uh, you know, I hate to say they're almost on equal footing in certain s- instances, right? E- even though Oscar's only been in seat for a couple of races. Uh, but I think where Land- where Oscar beats out Lando is the fact that I think Oscar would have fought Max uh, in, that, in that turn. Uh, but where I think Lando beats out Oscar right now is just the sheer experience to be able to get a car from the back of the grid all the way to that P5 position. So I think that both of those guys can work on each of those pitfalls, right? It's not something that they can't, you know, they can't overcome. But after watching last week's race and this week's race, I kind of get the sense that, you know, there's some glaring uh, deficits that both drivers have that they need to work on going into next year. And once they do, that's going to be an incredible uh, driver pairing to watch uh, how that develops, whether they're going to be contentious like Lewis and and Nico were, or if it's going to be, you know, a, a very healthy, you know, like synergetic, you know, relationship, which I can't recall who the hell on the grid has that kind of relationship. I just don't think that really exists in Formula One. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of where I net out with, with Lando Norris, uh, and Oscar Piastri is, is that I think 2024 is going to be an incredible season for McLaren if they let it be, or it can, can be completely treacherous if both drivers realize that they've overcome their two deficits and they're now just going to be able to like compete against each other for, uh, for pole positions. So excited to see where, where this, uh, this McLaren experiment goes. By the way, Sham, it was, uh, you, you called Lando Lance three times and uh, it was just so beautiful to hear someone talk in a positive light about Lance Stroll. Did I? I didn't want to interrupt you because I was like, oh man, some finally Lance gets some good, positive feedback no but it was a uh, no totally understand my apologies that's a it's, it might be a Freudian slip in, in there somewhere it's all, it's all good yeah no it's just like I was like yeah Lance go for it no but uh totally totally agree with you um sometimes I like to compare Norris and Charles together because I think both of them are capable of being of champions but they make too many mistakes so like you know Charles Leclerc is an amazing driver and he yeah I absolutely agree with you that's what yeah absolutely agree with you yeah, totally. So, like, it's just, yeah, I think he needs that fighter killer instinct. You know, he needs to stop, like, arguing with his engineers every now and then and keeping his head on his shoulders and just uh, taking, like you said, being able to take it on to the people that have uh, that are theoretically better than him. And I think he still needs to find that footing. And, Nadeem, any last thoughts on, on McLaren? Uh, 
No, I think I think you guys covered it for the most part. It's funny to me though how um and science science is the the, the D two driver for Ferrari, right? Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, so it's allegedly it's hard. It's always hard to tell when they haven't. But it's funny to me both the D two drivers in Ferrari and McLaren have a, the killer instinct, but the D ones don't. Yeah, it's about that. That's, that's a really good point. It's about marketability and like so you know Charles. And Lando basically, they were like widely regarded as like potential future WDCs, right? And so the teams put a lot of money and backing behind them. And so, you know, especially when when you put a lot of money into somebody and you want to pull them up and a lot of marketing behind your team goes into these people, you want to like prop them up as your D1 driver, unless it's like very, very apparent. Um, You also want to have an ironclad contract, which Alpine learned the hard way. Yeah, <laughs> I like how he's. Still, <laughs> I love how Oscar still like plays out that to this day. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know I'll remember it with Otmar, uh, his stupid little face after getting fired. Um, all right, so let's talk about our winners, losers, and hot seat. So uh, it, it seems like all of our winners are are the same. So I'll kick it off. So we got Hamilton, Danny Ricardo, and uh, Norris in our winner circle. Obviously, Hamilton has been just picking up the pace, uh, really exciting stuff as a fan. Uh, he seems like he's much more in a positive groove with the car. He's really kind of establishing that gap between himself and with George. He's, you know, uh, after the the snafu that happened in Qatar, uh, he's really been able to, uh, you know, kind of show some really strong standings. And especially after last week with a discouraging uh, DQ, you know, he really was able to make a full turnaround in in, in uh, this week. So a lot of love for Lewis, uh, a lot of potential for that car, I feel like, uh, going into next season. Danny Ricardo, fan favorite, you know, coming in P4, uh, performed way above what we would have expected, especially coming off that, that, uh, that wrist injury. Uh, and then, you know, Lando Norris, we, we already talked about him at length, but, you know, definitely uh, a strong performance from him. Uh, what do you guys think? Anything that I didn't cover that, that y'all want to touch on for the winner circle? I just think that, like, you know, I don't have much more to add other than, you know, Hamilton getting second back to back is such an amazing um, result in terms of, you know, just to guarantee that he's back, his car is back and that. Um, it's very promising for next year to be able to for Mercedes to take the fight back to Red Bull and maybe we'll get a little rinse and repeat of 2021. And uh, hopefully maybe we get to see Lewis compete for his eighth. Um, although some would say he already has it, but um <laughs> <laughs> and then like the one thing I had this really random thought. Uh and as a non-scientist and as a uh I understand nothing about this, but Given the altitude of Mexico, I was actually kind of curious of, you know, if the aerodynamics of a lot of these cars were kind of turned off, if you will, to the point where like the great, it was like almost like the great equalizer and the performance basically came down to the drivers. And so that's how I was, because I was like, even if Danny Brick is like up there, but like, how is an AlphaTauri up keeping it up in, in, into that pace? So I was like, maybe it's just the the fact that these cars, the performance was so low given the altitude, because I think Mexico is at like 7,500 feet. And I was just like, what if Danny, what if this is all Danny? And uh, so I think it's a good promising performance by him. And hopefully uh, we'll get to see a little bit more of it. But yeah, like you said, Ham, Ricardo Norris, all pretty big winners today. I think there's a lot of positives to take for all of them. 
and I think we'll see see them at the top some more. I mean, our resident mathematician here, uh, Nadim, what are your thoughts on the physics of racing in such a high altitude? So that's interesting. Um, so what they did actually, they were showing it, they raised, so typically the rear wing on low altitude, it, it doesn't have such a high pitch as a lower pitch. So you don't want too much arrow because then you kind of slow yourself down. They all love the rear wings for all the cars at a higher pitch. So they can get that downforce. That downforce. Yeah. Right. So they actually increase their arrow package to get more downforce because of the thin air at the altitude they're at. Um, so I think that really helped a lot of the, the cars to on, on the grid that actually were surprising uh, in the positions that they ended up in at the, at the end of the race. Um, but going back to what you're saying, Chris, Hamilton, yes, back to back. The floor works. The floor works, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the floor works. The floor, that makes me very happy because I was like, oh, God, he's going to raise the floor and everything's going to fall apart. <laughs> the floor is on fire. The floor works. Uh, and then second is, um, I think, Chris, you had talked about this last episode. Um, you had Perez coming second in the championship. I don't think so anymore. I think it's going to be Hamilton coming second in the championship. And because of the disqualification, oh, sorry, the uh, the the accident that uh, that Perez had, it nullifies now. And if there are any other mishaps that happen uh, in Brazil, this is going to give. And Hamilton loves Brazil. He loves that track a lot. It's one of his favorite spots. So I'm 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 expecting him to put on a show for us uh, coming up in Brazil in Sao Paulo. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I actually get to fully agree with you there. I don't think, I think Lewis Hamilton has P2 in the championship locked up completely. Like just after today, um, I mean, Lewis should basically already be or be two points behind uh, if he hadn't gotten his DQ. I, I totally think he has it pretty much locked up, uh, only if Sergio gets uh, really lucky. But, um, you made me think about it. I was looking at the points and I was like, oh man, Ferrari's only 22 points behind Mercedes. Now, obviously, if Lewis yeah. keeps uh performing as well, they'll be okay. But they better be they better be careful because you know George didn't perform as well and Charles and Carlos and Charles got third and fourth. And so it was like, uh, there's gonna be kind of an interesting fight there at the end of the year. But yeah, I totally think Lewis has uh P2 locked up. Yeah, and like just to add to that. He did 46 laps on the, the yellow compound. The tire degradation is really, really good. And he got the fastest lap on the last lap. So imagine, like, you're at the very end of that stint, and you pull the fastest lap um, across the grid, beating Max. I think it was his, that the lap 71, he was at 190 miles an hour. Max is 189. So... That says a lot in terms of not only the longevity of the car, but the degradation of the car and being able to sustain that level throughout the entire race, which is this was one of the, I, I don't, I'm not sure if this track has the most laps, but 71 is, is a big amount. You know, there's one thing yeah. I've learned. Sorry, Cheyenne. Uh, okay. There's one thing I've learned about uh, being a professional athlete, especially in F1, is to never open your mouth because, you know, at the beginning of the season when uh, or beginning of last year when they asked Hamilton about his a championship, they were asking if they're going to have the good car. And he's like, my team doesn't make mistakes. And then it was like the worst car in the history of Mercedes. 
And then I don't know if you guys saw the Girl the Grid episode with George Russell with the lie detector. Did you see that? No. Okay, so no. so there's a girl. I don't. Are you familiar with Girl the Grid where they get the drivers in like kind of funny, silly situations and they do stupid stuff, but uh, like the baby photos and whatnot. Well, there was an episode with George Russell with the lie detector, and they were asking him questions. You no, know, is your name George Russell? Whatever. And they start asking questions, and then he goes, "Are you faster than Lewis Hamilton?" And he goes now yes and i was like don't say that you idiot it's gonna come back and bite you and it has ever since then lewis has been proven so much faster than him and i'm glad to see it i mean just to shed a little bit more light onto that so they pretty much were on the exact same tire strategy lewis pitted for uh softs at lap 24 russell pitted for softs at lap 26 um, I'm sorry, they, they pitted for hards at lap 24 and 26 after starting on mediums. And then at lap 34, both of them came into the pits to finish off on used mediums. And obviously Lewis had enough to, to get the fastest lap and a couple of points for that as well. So yeah, I think Russ needs to pick it up. You know, if, if we, and by we, I mean Mercedes and myself, if we lose uh, the, the Constructors uh, Championship in P2, it's probably going to be due to George Russell. Uh, you know, and I'm and I'm I'm knocking on wood left and right here, listeners, that you just can't hear. Uh, but but I think if Russ doesn't pick it up and then they lose the the Constructors to um, or P2 to, to, to Ferrari, that's going to be a really big pill to swallow for, for Russell going into next season. So uh, let's keep an eye on them and see, you know, how that shakes out. Uh, let's talk about losers. Um, I'll, uh, I'll start with you, Nadim. Who do you got for your losers this week? I have the entirety of Aston Martin. <laughs> um, all of it, front office, back office. All of it, just middle office. They, they just, yeah, they need to figure out what their direction is. I think twenty three is a done year. If they can end on a good note, as I mentioned earlier, at least get both their cars in P ten in the points, then there's something to to ride on and build upon for twenty four. But yeah, Aston, they've got trouble. Yeah, no doubt there, uh, Chris. What do you think? What who really loses for the week? Yeah, uh, I see we would differ on this maybe a little bit, but uh, yeah, I put I'm gonna put Sergio on the loser column. Like, it's got to be as much as it was his fault, um, completely. Uh, I just it, it really sucks to to do that in front of your home crowd, especially with all the the media around it, the anticipation, the hype, you know, the whole season of negative comments from helmets and just just all the drama between him and Max, all the stuff, everything culminating in like, I want to have this one good performance in front of my home crowd. And, you know, he, he tried and said it and it's just kind of unfortunate. I feel for the guy. So uh, bad day, bad weekend all around for him, but I just feel for him. And then, uh, you know, maybe not much of a loser, but it just, it was very unfortunate. The, the situation that Kevin Magnuson had, because, it wasn't driver error, apparently. It, you know, I think a piece of his car kind of snapped and threw him into the wall. So uh that was kind of a dangerous crash and it looked like he was shaken up a little bit. So uh unfortunate, fortunate day for him, but glad he was okay. But uh yeah, mostly just Sergio, but I just it's not very often you see a Formula One car just kind of break mid-drive in normal conditions. So uh it was just unfortunate for K Mag, and I'm glad he's okay, but uh yeah, mostly Sergio. Big loser today, unfortunately. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get where that's coming from. Um, I'll, I'll add a little bit of new uh, blood to to the loser's seat. So I have Yuki Tsunoda this week in my loser's column. Uh, you know, it's just if Danny Rick didn't perform the way that he did this week, maybe I wouldn't put Yuki in, in the loser circle. But, you know, just a tough race for him uh, being able to, you know, kind of help his teammate out a little bit in qualifying and then showing some, you know, pace to, to keep up with Oscar. Uh, but when they touched, uh, you know, it was pretty much the, the, the end of his race in terms of being competitive. So really tough to see for, from Yuki as well. He was incredibly pissed uh, after that, after that touch and go. Um, I have Logan Sargent again in my loser circle. Uh, I, I do not think that he is going to be in seat next year, no matter how much, uh, you know, James Vowles is, is trying to, you know, uh, soften the edges on his performance this year you know just another dnf just it's it's just it's um it's unacceptable at this point uh and there's only so many times you can say that it's not his fault um i have aston martin on the on the loser circle as well i won't I don't have much to, to add to them that you guys haven't said already. Uh, I'll round it out with Haas. Uh, they've dropped to the bottom of the constructions the constructors cup in terms of points. Uh, you know, there's really no line of sight for them to get uh you know back into a competitive uh, uh place especially given the fact that they brought in the biggest upgrades that they have in in the history of the team uh this past week and there's really not a whole lot to show for it uh the suspensions kind of dying out on on k mag was uh pretty indicative of that and even without uh, k mag's uh you know snap through you have uh nico holkenberg coming in at 13 which is it's just lackluster to at the very best, uh, and and then dropping to the bottom of the of the pack is really gonna. Uh, I know it's gonna you know put Gunther in a, in a really compromised position going into the next couple of years, or maybe not. Maybe they're just so cool with uh, losing like this that that nothing affects them ever. Uh, so those are. <laughs> Those are my those are my losers for uh for the week. Um, uh, let's start with you, Chris, for hot seats. Who do you have this week? I'm putting Yuki in my hot seat. Um. I think he's in trouble. Like Yuki, his crash, I believe, was like his completely his fault. Just a little overzealous. He could have got some good points for the team today. Could have both been double points. I think he gets really frustrated at his teammates performing better than him. He gets frustrated at everybody else, um, and he doesn't have a cool head. Like he's just always yelling on the radio uh after what happened he's like i don't need any more information leave me alone and it's like is that how a potential race winner potential champion all that kind of stuff would act you know would you ever see oscar piastri or anybody else acting that way like he just he's had a mental health coach for a while it doesn't appear to be doing anything and you know alfatari next year is going to rebrand um with uh the rumor is like a like a big fashion brand and that they're going to stop being so far apart of sister teams from Red Bull and be as closely aligned as the regulations will allow. So if next year we see AlphaTauri being, you know, sort of a Red Bull V2 with a big, you know, Hugo Boss or Louis Vuitton or whatever branding on it, and you got this guy screaming over the radio being immature all the time, I just don't think he's going to keep his seat very long because, you know, you could put up with you could put up with that for a while if uh, you're winning races all the time and putting up big things. But when you're not finishing races or crashing out, and making big mistakes, and you have a bad attitude, uh, 
I think uh, I think he's looking to leave the sport as well, uh, potentially next year. So we'll see. He's in my hot seat. Nadim, who you got in your hot seat? I have Perez, but before I go there, maybe Max Verstappen can loan him his uh, his coach. It sounded like almost like old school Max Verstappen when he was younger. Yeah, you know, screaming, yelling. It's like, okay, here you go, Yuki. He did good for me. Maybe we'll do good for you. <laughs> so you're telling me that Joseph Verstappen needs to go in there and talk to Yuki. Yeah, scream just, 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 just Yeah, just just so, just so straighten him out. Give him a backhand and leave him at a gas station. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in my hot seat, I have Checo. Um, I think Checo knows it. I think uh, the words coming out of um, Rebels front office, they're playing it cool, but we know how they really are. And if he doesn't get that second, he's out for sure. So I, I think, and the, the gap is closing. So we'll see where that goes, but Checo for sure. Let's hope he doesn't lunge in Brazil. Yeah. Um, so again, uh, I, I have Checo Perez as well on my hot seat. Uh, the, the way Christian mentioned, you know, his thoughts and, and kind of expressed it after the, the Mexican Grand Prix about Checo reminded me a lot of, you know, I, I work in tech and you guys work in tech and tech adjacent places and we've had rolling layout layoffs, you know, uh, since COVID kind of started and, you know, when when CEOs or, or COOs or whoever ha- has the unfortunate position to to tell everyone that they're being laid off, they kind of talk about it in similar vein. They'll say like, oh, like we don't want to like, you know, put a lot of pressure on you guys. Like we don't really know what we're going to do everything we can to support you. And then at the final you know, at the 11th hour, they'll make the cut and it's, and it's really clean and it's really, you know, it's, it's jarring, but it's, it's, it's all done to keep everyone more or less sedated until they make a decision. Right. And I think like, that's kind of what's happening here is Christian is kind of just uh, fending off a, a lot of the, 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 what could be, you know, media kerfuffle, if you were to say anything other than, Hey, we have our drivers back. Uh, but it's definitely reminded me a lot of uh, my old CEO saying like, Hey guys, we're here to support you. And then like three days later, like half the, you know, uh, the company is being let go. So it's, 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 it's not something that I would say is positive for Pacheco. I definitely would read between the lines there and uh, make sure that he has a backup and his agents have a backup plan in place. Uh, but like I said, guys, you know, in our last, um, in our last uh, episode, Perez might be a good fit for, for Aston Martin. He's still a, a talented driver. I think he's still, you know, he's not the youngest driver on the grid, but he still has a couple of years left in, in the gas tank. Uh, I think if uh, a change of pace into another uh, team that, you know, can can uh, pay for his services as, as a D2 driver, I think somewhere like Aston Martin would be a really good place for him to land. So, so those are our hot seats, guys. Let's, uh, let's talk about next week. So we're going to be um in i believe we're going to be in brazil next week uh and obviously somewhere that lewis hamilton does really well at so i'll start off with my predictions uh i have verstappen uh, you know winning again uh i i don't think that he's going to let up unless there's some sort of issues with the car or or with the tires but but you know putting my, my money on Verstappen I've Hamilton coming in at second I think he's going to keep up the pace especially given that he he performs really well at Brazil and they you know he's a crowd favorite 
Um, and I got Carlos Sainz rounding out the top three. You know, he placed third last year at the circuit. Uh, between the pace that the Ferrari has been showing and just the pure pace that Sainz himself has been showing, I think he is in a strong place to to kind of round out the top podium. So I'll have Max, Lewis, and Carlos uh, as my top three podium centers. Um, Nadim, who do you have for your, your podium for, for next week? Okay, so I'm going to go in with this. I think I would like to have Hamilton win first. I have him. Just the floor did really well. The tie decoration is really good. Both uh, U.S. Grand Prix, Mexican Grand Prix, we've seen him improve. He could have hunted um, Verstappen down at the U.S. Grand Prix. It was very close. If there's a chance and tire strategy works out and or there's a yellow flag that works out in his favor, that's a total possibility. Um, so I have Hamilton there. Big one, knock on wood. Hopefully that works out. Uh, Verstappen in second, um, and then to round out Norris in third. Uh, I think Norris has shown that he's consistent. Um, he's he's pushed through the whole time, and he's uh, he's I think he's shown the fight, especially this uh, this this Grand Prix in Mexico, coming from P nineteen to P five. So um, I have those three to round at my top. Nadim, I hope you're right because. That would Me be too. amazing. So <laughs> what what Toto needs to do is go get a brand new engine, stick that baby in the back of the Mercedes, turn it up to 11, and just let it rip. Because I would love to see Hamilton uh, win a race and just look over at Max and be like, next year, baby, you know what's coming. That would be amazing. Yeah. But unfortunately, I think Max is going to make it 17 this year. Um, I just don't – yeah. It's it's hard. I I do think Brazil might be a good place for for Hamilton to take the fight to him. So we'll see. Uh, but I'm just I just can't bet against Max. So it's gonna be Max Hamilton. Uh, for me, I think Hamilton's gonna continue. Uh, steps on the podium again this year, and then I'm gonna put Norris on there. Although Shyam's uh Ferrari drivers are are always a possibility for the podium, but I think Norris will go return to the podium in third this time. Uh, so I think we're all pretty similar and close, but uh, yeah, I think we're going to have a, a good race in Brazil and triple headers are my favorite thing in Formula One. You know, it was funny. I was uh, watching just uh, ESPN highlights on football with my buddy who doesn't watch F1 at all. And at the bottom of the ticker, ESPN's introduced their F1 uh, kind of recap as well. And it says something to the effect of, you know, Max Verstappen wins a 16th uh uh, race of the of the season and my buddy was like what the fuck seriously <laughs> and so someone who has no you know frame of reference for formula one really saw a stat like that and was like wow that like how did that happen and i was like you know it's just the nature of the sport you know i i really didn't know how to succinctly answer that question without going into a, a, a full you know full length episode uh to, to explain to him but but yeah it's 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 something that the the rest of the world is you know seeing unfold be before their eyes and and they can appreciate it too so but yeah verstappen winning this next uh race wouldn't be uh, the most surprising thing in the world if you were to win by 17 seconds still would not surprise me but if we can get lewis hamilton in there at at by any means necessary to get p1 uh and and give the brazilians what they really want then um then I, i'm all i'm all about that um cool guys well chris you want to take us out here yeah uh nadim it's been a pleasure having you back uh second week in a row i hope we can do this continue to do this 
uh, more and more. Uh, this is one of the, like I said last week, this is one of the reasons why Shyam and I started this. We want to get more fans talking, engaging in conversation. I think there's a lot of interesting angles to F1 to discuss. Uh, and I think there's infinite topics that we can we could do it with. So very, very pleasure to have you back on the podcast. And uh, yeah, everybody, uh, give us a like, give us a follow. We love uh, talking uh, for you guys, expanding on the topics and uh, our socials are at fan team radio. Send us some questions at fanteamradio at gmail.com. Uh, and we'll see you next week for the Brazilian Grand Prix where we'll break it down once again for you guys. Cool. Nadim, any closing thoughts before we wrap up here? Hamilton first. Let's do it. Hamilton first. Let's do it. 44, baby. <laughs> you got enough. You got enough. You got to share the you know, plate now. <laughs> he's going to get that eighth uh, championship no matter what. We're going to will it into, into existence. So yes. tune in next week, everyone. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be right here after the Brazilian Grand Prix breaking things down. Uh, like Chris said, give us a like, give us a watch, give us a listen, give us a a shout uh and we'll see you next week bye everybody bye everybody bye take care